This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Lots to do. A busy night. Crazy towns to get to. Videos to get to. Stories to get to. Paul Nolan's got news to get to. He's here. How are you? I'm good. How you doing, buddy? Very good. Rick Delgado's here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Rick Emirati's going to have sports tonight. How are you? Great, Big D. How are you? Good. What's coming up in uh, your sports report? Well, we got British Open today. First round. We'll talk about that as well as an update on Richard Sherman's situation out in Washington. Okay. Very good. Uh, we've got some crazy towns to get to. I have an Is This English to get to, which we'll get to here in the first segment. To give you as much time as possible, of course, on Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029. Uh, Patrick Byrne is going to join us tonight in the third segment. Bottom of the first hour is the CEO of the America Project, and he has been um, out in Arizona today for the big hearing uh, with the state Senate there. So we'll get some, uh, well, some of the numbers coming out of there today are really... um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just we'll, we'll get his take on what's going on and what this, what his America project is doing. You know, there's great projects like this doing fantastic work, by the way, with with uh, up against a lot of pushback all the time, uh, like the Amistad project and our friend Phil Klein, who's been on, and now Mr. Burns going to come on and tell us what the America project has uh, been doing and what they, uh, what we discovered today out in Arizona. And I got to thinking, I don't, you know, I don't know what all the hubbub is about Arizona. I was watching Fox on election night. They called it at 8, eight o'clock and three seconds. What's the big deal? Oh, well, man, you know, maybe there's a lot more to it. The idea now, looking back, after if you watched any of this hearing today, that Fox called this Arizona at like literally like 8.01 yeah. or whatever it was, is such a joke given that the margin ends up only being about 10,000. And the numbers today will just make you your ears blow off when you hear what's going on. And I thought when you got subpoenaed, you had a, I guess only you and I have to like actually do it, right? Yeah, I think, that, I think that's the, uh, the way it works now. Ever since Eric Holder decided not to uh, show up when he was subpoenaed, the Democrats, uh, to them, it's, it's, it's an option. For everybody else, it's required. They've subpoenaed all kinds of stuff. They just can't get it. They just can't get it. It just won't comply with them. I don't, I don't get that. I mean, I guess I do get it, but it's just it's amazing. So we're going to go over all that with Mr. Burns going to join us at 830. Um, he's out in Arizona. The hearing today was really astounding. Real America's Voice, of course, covered it. If you weren't watching us, I don't know who else you could have seen. I don't know where you would have seen it. Which is another, it's really just, Nobody's giving it any time. No one wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to cover it. So we covered it. 
today. So we'll, we'll cover it tonight on the show as well. We'll do some news, lots of stuff. But I have to start uh, watching the press briefing, the clips of it, and then after I saw this, I went back and watched the whole thing in its entirety, was really surreal today. Really absolutely surreal. I, and I have to think that obviously this was a planned statement that Saki made. But it was really a stun. It was really a stunner. I mean, stunning. Like I, I mean, you almost can't believe it's coming out of her mouth. As much as you know it, it's what Trump's lawsuit is all based on. Which, of course, looks a lot different tonight than it did, you know, five six days ago when he announced it. As Jen Psaki comes out in the press briefing room and basically says, "Well, F- Facebook is basically a de facto state actor for us right now." Like, just comes out and admits it. Let's just start with the clip. This is unbelievable. Cut 15. Roll it, G. Can you talk a little bit more about this uh, request for tech companies to be more aggressive in policing misinformation? Has the administration been in touch with any of these companies? And are there any actions that the federal government can take to ensure their cooperation? Because we've seen from the start there's not a lot of action on some of these platforms. Sure. Uh, Well, first, we are in regular touch uh, with these social media platforms uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, given as Dr. Murthy uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. We also created the COVID-19, the COVID Community Corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers. And we're also investing, uh, as you all have seen in the president's, the vice president's and Dr. Fauci's time in meeting with influencers who also have large reaches to a lot of these target audiences who can spread and share accurate information. You saw an example of that uh, yesterday. I believe that video will be out fr- tomorrow. I think that was your question, Steve, yesterday. I did a full follow-up there. Um, uh, well, there are also proposed changes that we have made to social media platforms, including Facebook. And those specifically are four key steps. One, uh, that they measure and publicly share the impact of misinformation on their platform. Facebook should provide publicly and transparently data on the reach of COVID-19, uh, COVID vaccine misinformation, not just engagement, but the reach of the misinformation uh, and the audience that it's reaching. That will help us ensure we're getting accurate information to people. This should be provided not just to researchers, but to the public so that the public knows and understands what is accurate and inaccurate. Second, uh, that we have recommended, uh, proposed that they create a robust enforcement strategy that bridges their properties and provides transparency about the rules. So about, I think this was a question asked before, there's about 12 people who are producing 65% of anti-vaccine misinformation on social media platforms. All of them remain active on Facebook, despite some even being banned on other platforms, including Facebook, ones that Facebook owns. Third, uh, it's important to take faster action against harmful posts. As you all know, information travels quite quickly on social media platforms. Sometimes it's not accurate, and Facebook needs to move more quickly to remove harmful, uh, uh, violative posts. Posts that will be within their policies for removal often remain up for days. That's too long. The information spreads too quickly. Finally, 
we uh, have proposed they promote quality information sources in their feed algorithm. Facebook has repeatedly shown that they have the leverage to promote quality information. We've seen them effectively do this um, in their algorithm over low quality information, and they've chosen not to use it in this case, and that's certainly an area that would have an impact. So these are uh, certainly the proposals. Uh, we engage with them regularly, and they certainly understand what our asks are. Okay, so ooh, I, wanted to, I wanted to play the whole thing. <laughs> I wanted to play the whole. I didn't want to jump in. There were so many times I could have jumped. I didn't oh I wanted God, to play I the whole thing. I thought we should have dissected that whole lump of garbage. How? How is that? If we, if that was uh, President Xi, and we were watching it on some state TV media dictatorship, how is that any different than what the CCP does? How is that any? Not different? even a little bit. Yeah. It's it's exactly the same. It's just a different just a different uh, hairstyle me uh, messenger for it. That's it. That's all you got. Different language, but it's the same exact policy. I mean, it's it it is. It's an absolutely stunning statement. Like she's reading it. It's prepared. She is outwardly omitting, uh, outwardly admitting, we are. We are censoring things that we deem throughout the whole thing. I'm thinking to myself, by whose definition? Like, isn't the whole idea of free speech? Uh, what do you, whose definition that this is mis, uh, misinformation or mis, by like, your definition is that's the only one we're going by? Right. Who like the misinformation the that it started in the Wuhan lab. Right. Like that story couldn't be bad, but now we all know that's true. Right. I mean, what, what more? Like, I mean, when does free speech have to make everyone feel warm and fuzzy? Never. When does it have to be state run? Never. I mean, what we're going on here is this exactly as as communist controlled gulags fashioned communism as I've ever seen. And it's it's here. It's on our foot. It's at our door. We are working with Facebook, she said. We are working There's with nauseating. Facebook. They are de facto state actor at this point is what she's admitting to. Admitting to. We are working with Facebook to censor what we think is misinformation. That is the definition of anti-free speech. <laughs> I mean, that is a stunning statement. The fact that they're so brazen about it that she prepared this statement, came out and read it. And I mean, this is the basis of Trump's lawsuit. And well, well, let me ask you this question. What, what happened not, immediately after the statement? Did, did the, the, the press court erupt with uh, yelling questions like, what the heck are you doing? Was, was any of that, was that the result of this? Or did they just go, oh, okay. The fact that the girl even asked that question the way she asked it made me think that they must have been tipped off that this was either a question or they wanted uh, they wanted her to ask it because who out of the blue would say has the administration contacted any of these places if if she didn't already know the answer was yes who would ask that who would even think that you know what it especially, sounds like when, especially of their media operatives there who all you know sit in their lap dogs when you bring it up like that when you ask that question it makes you think this story was probably going to come out and they're trying to get ahead of it. I mean, it could, it could be that, but even the way the girl asked the question, it makes me th I thought to myself, when she says, has the administration been in contact 
why would you ask that if you didn't already know the answer? It's not yeah. like that's not doesn't seem to me to be right. like even if the administration put out talking points and said, "Hey, we would we're going to really crack down on misinformation on COVID nineteen." What would make a reporter immediately say, "Have you had any contact directly with any of them?" And then she just goes right out admitting it. I mean, if if we watch that on on I don't, I don't, it's, it's an unbelievable <laughs> statement that she just admitted to it. Yeah, couple couple that with the fact that a few days ago they talk about now they're going to be pressuring the uh, yeah the companies to read your text messages and uh, flag things that they they determine they determine is misinformation or disinformation. You know, it's wrong. Uh, uh, we're going to give you the correct information. Really, you're going to do it. Nobody asked you to. But they're stepping up and they're they're inserting themselves in it. Basically, like you're saying, they're they're becoming de facto source where now all your information comes from them, nowhere else. And she That's keeps saying not scary. That, you know, it can spread so fast. They let it spread. They let things by whose definition? Yeah, she she was complaining about people having a post up for a couple of days. You know, that's that's not good. It's like, excuse you. She's the all arbiter now. The government's going to be the full arbiter. Joe Biden's administration is the arbiter of all truth when it comes to COVID-19. There can be no, there's no marketplace of discussion anymore. They are the full arbiter of all that is truthful. And they're going to be in touch directly with Facebook to tell them what they don't think is, what they don't think falls under their umbrella. Well, don't worry, Damon. It's only for this pandemic stuff. Nothing else will ever, oh, sure. ever would, be affected what by What possibly could they think of next? Oh, God. All right, just getting started. More on this. I could do the whole show on this, that three-minute video. Uh, Patrick Byrne at 8.30 as well on the Arizona audit today, the f- preliminary findings. Crazy Town News, sports, it's all coming up. Glad you're in. On a Thursday, live from Studio 6B. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029, and of course, streaming exclusively on livefromstudio6b.com. Glad you're all in. Uh, Paul Nolan's going to do some news in a second. Rick Delgado's here, Geo Fran here, holding it down as always. The CEO of the America Project, Patrick Byrne who, if you recognize that name, he's the former CEO, of course, of uh, Overstock.com, will join us at the bottom of the hour to discuss what's going on in Arizona today, uh, as also what uh, the America Project, the great work that they're doing. So, But right now, let's do some sports. And here with that's Rick Emirati. What's going on in sports, pal? Hey, Big D. British Open round one earlier today from the Royal St. George's Golf Club, Golf Club in Sandwich, England. Uh, Oosthuizen and Spieth led the way as normalcy returns. This is an AP report. The major finally had a degree of normalcy 
Thursday at Royal St. George's. Lewis Uthausen and Jordan Spieth leading the way at the British Open felt pretty familiar too. Cheered on by the biggest golf crowd since the coronavirus outbreak, Uthausen saved par from a fairway bunker on the final hole for a 6-under 64 to take the early lead. Spieth was only one stroke back by making putts like it was 2017 all over again. Brian Harmon was tied for second with Spieth after making five birdies in his first eight holes and finished with another for 65. And top-ranked Dustin Johnson and hit 14 greens in regulation and said he was pleased with this round of 68 that had him in a tie for 15th. And unfortunately, lefty finished absolute last. He shot 10 over Phil Mickelson. So he's got a lot of ground to make up over the next three days. And your favorite guy, Rory McIlroy, he's right on the verge of the cut. He was even today, and he's sitting at number 70. So, and you, who'd you pick, D? I was trying to remember you last night. Um, who's in the lead? Uh, well, Ustazen Louis Ustazen? Yeah. I think I picked Louis Ustazen. Yeah. No, oh, no, I, I, so. picked, I picked Justin Rose. Oh, you know. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Let's go I, to the videotape. Of course, I also picked the Phoenix Suns plus four and a half last night, and they get outscored in the fourth quarter, uh, like 33 to 19. I mean, come on. That was well, painful. Well, Nostradamus. Oh, that's that's how I shouldn't have played the fourth to make that's you a, happy. That's a perfect segue, Nostradamus, on your pick from last night. Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo lead Milwaukee Bucks to critical <laughs> game four win over the Phoenix Suns with clutch performances down the stretch. This is Tim Bontemps at ESPN. Beyond 40 points from Middleton, including 10 straight points over the final 207 to put the Bucks ahead for good, and Antetokounmpo unbelievable block of DeAndre Ayton uh, at the rim to preserve a two-point lead with 74 seconds to go. Some are saying that's one of the greatest blocks in NBA Finals history. Incredible. Uh, Milwaukee survived an instant classic in Game 4 of the NBA Finals winning 109-103 over the visiting Phoenix Suns to even that best-of-seven series at two games apiece, and uh, now it's a best-of-three affair, Big D. Comes down to three games in yeah. Game 5 is Saturday night in Phoenix, and uh, here we go. Nobody has won on anybody else's court, and you know I always say it's never an, it's never a, a finals until somebody wins on somebody else's court. It's amazing. So tough, tough game last night for the. So I really thought the Suns were going to take it in five. They look yeah. really strong now. They look good. Based on the way it's rolling, they'll take it in seven because if nobody wants to win on anybody else's court, is where we're going. Well, if they play defense like they did in the fourth, they'll be taking nothing other than summer vacation before October, and they tip off again. They'll be doing nothing. And yeah. can't, play, can't get outscored 32 to 19 in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. I mean, come on. Not only that, everybody was complaining that Chris Paul was playing more like Cliff Paul. Yeah, Devin Booker, you're, you're the next big superstar? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Not playing like that yeah. when it counts. And the refereeing call, some of those calls are very questionable too, boy. I'll tell you, Booker got away with a few last night. But I guess it goes both way and even out at the end of the series. But that's a wrap in sports for the first segment. Big All right, very good. Let's do some news. And here with the news is uh, Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Republican Senators Ron Johnson of Wisconsin and Chuck Grassley of Iowa sent a letter to the Justice Department Wednesday asking for Why is more that? information. <laughs> Regarding missing phones oh. used by the special counsel Robert Mueller's team during the Russia collusion oh. investigation. Well, what, are they, what are they missing, like one or two, maybe? Well, um, the senators sent the letter after finding out that the Justice Department could not locate... One? Sorry, two the most, right? <laughs> Keep going. Higher? higher. Uh-huh. Warmer. Yeah, I, know, I know the number. 59 of 96 <laughs> phones used by special counsel Robert Mueller's team. I mean, it's you can't make this up. 
I mean, I mean, what are they at the Hillary Clinton School of Honesty? <laughs> I was just gonna say, send someone up to Chappaqua. <laughs> be a good first place to start. Yeah, and the, and the remaining phones they found were in, a, in, a, were in the sledgematic being operated by none other than, you know, yeah. Um, what was that guy's name with Gallag- the Gallagher? Yeah, the yeah, they were lining them up under the under the watermelons for a sledgematic. Yeah. Well, the two senators wrote to the DOJ's office and of the Inspector General and. In September of 2020, regarding allegations that the phones assigned to multiple people on then special counts at Robert Mueller's investigative team were wiped Hmm. for various reasons. Like you mean with a cloth? Yeah, Yeah, pristinely handed over with all the phone records to accompany it and fingerprints of everybody who was using that phone. Remember when Clinton said that? Yeah. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. What what about wiping the phones? You mean with a cloth? Yeah. And then she okay. starts laughing about it. Why do you carry two <laughs> phones? You know, you can have two email, you know, you can have two email accounts on the same phone. Oh, you can? Oh, God. Yeah. Ugh. If you don't know that, you're too stumped <laughs> dumb to be in any kind of business world. And if you're that much of a liar, you got to leave. It's what is, So which is it? Are you that dumb or you're that much of a liar? Well, she's both, and she knew she'd get away with it. So Yeah, of course. You know, she's... You and know. by the way, do the, as, as do these people. And it's the same point to my subpoena thing. This pe- regular people hear this story. Regular people hear that the Senate in Arizona sends out subpoenas for envelopes and for this and for routers and for hard drives and for whatever the hell else they subpoenaed, and they don't get any of it. And you think, well, if they subpoenaed me and I said, eh, how would that work out? Not yeah, too good. Yeah, but well, unless, of course, you were, you know, in the big chair up at the, uh, you know, in the high levels of government, you, your lawyer would be like, hey, I got a guy. Well, don't worry about nothing. Forget it. I got a guy. I'll take care of it. He'll go away. All right, what else this, is we going? We this much cash. I mean, I saw that story. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. That story's on, of course, from our great friends at Just the News on live from Studio6B.com as well. Uh, what else is going on in the Pennsylvania news? County refuses particip- participation in a new 2020 election audit. At least one of the three counties targeted for forensic investigation in Pennsylvania's 2020 elections said... It will not allow access to the voting machines. Tioga County Commission has decided not to provide access after receiving a directive from Pennsylvania Department of State ordering county boards of elections not to provide any access to third parties seeking to examine the yeah. systems or the system components. Now, yeah. you is know there why? a level irony here that wasn't it a third party dominion that was basically running? Now we can't have third parties looking at the third party with I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why they're doing this. And by the way, every county in Pennsylvania will pick up on this and and do the same thing. You know why? Because there's 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 not anything but liberal left wing rogue judges in Pennsylvania to go to. And none of them are going to none of them will make them do it. So if you're if you're if you're in a county in Pennsylvania and you've got Tom Wolf as your governor and you've got the state legislature saying we're going to do an audit and you can say, well, no, I'm not turning over anything. What are they going to have to do next? Well, they're going to have to go to court. Right. Well, what's going to happen? There's not a judge anywhere in that state that's going to do anything for you, most likely, my opinion. So that's why they're doing it. It's it's stunning. It's just so brazen. There's just this. Look at what happened in the and after the election, you had the one. They need to go find that one district court judge. I forget her name, who took a look at the lawsuit. Uh, and said, yeah, the petitioners are likely to succeed on its merits. And what happened? They ran right to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, and they shut down the hearing for the next day. So you may find one judge in Pennsylvania, maybe. But most likely, that's what 
I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of this. I don't know how many places they selected. I'm sure Mastriano will fight it or whatever. I mean, I don't know all the details, so, but this doesn't surprise me at all. So, all right, what else? Anything? Um, you know, just uh, Cuban president uh, is acknowledging his government had shortcomings in handling the recent life essential shortages that sparked large protests across the country this week. And uh, in mm. other news, Black Lives Matter is blaming the U.S. policies for Cuba's problems. In other news, water is wet. All right. Yep. So, um, and Patrick Man bed. And- yes. Patrick Byrne will join us when we get back live from Studio 6B. We'll talk about what's going on in Arizona. Lots more news, sports. A couple good crazy towns coming up. Is this English? Got to get to that as well. Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. We'll do more news. We'll do sports. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029. Uh, the America Project was founded to advance freedom and preserve the American way of life. That Dr. Patrick Byrne is the CEO. He's also the former CEO, if his name sounds familiar to some of you in the audience, uh, of Overstock.com. Mr. Byrne and the America Project are the biggest funders of the Arizona audit. You can visit Amer- the America Project online at americaproject.com. And he joins us now for his first appearance here on Live from Studio 6B. Mr. Byrne, how are you? Darren, great to be on. It's an honor. It's very good to have you. Thanks for coming on. Lots to talk about. You know, before we get to what happened today, tell us a little bit about the America Project, maybe for the audience who's hearing about it for the first time. You know, why'd you get involved? Why'd you guys start it? And what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Well, we really started to save America. It's, a, it's an organization built to be, to, we saw how the bad guys had really created this jujitsu move and created this, made it difficult for patriots to push back on this craziness they're seeing. So we created the project for them. I'll put in one little plug since you asked. Uh, Mike Flynn is our spokesman, so that takes might tell you something. And one little plug to, to connect to us, which we'd love you to do, it's real simple. Text the word USA to the number 84576. 845, like certain president we know, 76, like 1776. Text the word USA, join us. It's the network that's getting a lot of this done. We're sort of the, the people behind the people behind the people that you're hearing about out there. Okay, very good. You know, on a, um, on a day where we had the press secretary for the president of the United States come into the briefing room, and basically admit to colluding with the media to, to control their own narrative. I didn't think there'd be much more today that would stun me, but when you look at this hearing out of Arizona today, that's exactly what we have. So let me start here. The Arizona Senate sent a bunch of subpoenas, as I understand it, and almost none of them, or very few of them, have been, um, this, what they've looked for has been turned over. So how exactly does that work? Well, it works. They're breaking the law. First of all, the, the, the takeaway today is they're guilty. 
They're guilty. It's not election fraud is no longer a conspiracy theory. Election fraud has been proven. They are guilty. They're guilty of all. And it's so that 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 debate is over. They are hiding things. They've refused. It came out today that they've refused to turn over a tremendous amount of key material that was requested by a vote, requested subpoenaed by the Senate, which two judges looked at it. Two state judges in Arizona looked at this and said they absolutely have the right to do this. And they have just refused to turn over hundreds of machines and a bunch of routers. Uh, and they're making up fishy. They're, they're now they're making up fishy excuses as to why. But but their excuses are changing. And by the way, if their excuses were correct, that law enforcement was also tied into their router, that means that they broke the law because their election equip stuff isn't supposed to be tied into the Internet. I mean, they've broken. So it, their lies are now just starting to all crumble on them. Didn't they also because, subpoena so, some of the all, all of the envelopes that some of these mail in ballots came into and they can't get a hold of those either? <laughs> It turns out those haven't been turned over. Digital images have not been turned over of all the ballots. Hundred, you know. However, what they did turn over has gotten them. I mean, we let's let's not focus on just the bad. So yeah, these guys are clearly they're just refusing to comply with subpoenas. And they put out something today saying later today saying, well, we've turned over everything that a normal auditor would look at. Well, that's not their point. That's our point. A normal auditor of an election audit comes in, they turn a machine on they, as they hold two buttons and it runs a little internal check and says, yep, I'm working OK. And they record, is it, does it have the right version of the software? This superficial machine check, nothing like the forensic audit that's going on now. So it's just another one of their uh, one of the, 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 the pushback they give is so facile. And so third grade-ish, like to even say the kinds of things they're saying just tells you they're running, they're really running low on ammo. Yeah. But let's let's focus on the things that did come out. A yeah, lot I was, of gonna, I, was just, I was just going to say, let me go through some of the highlights that came out, and you can either comment on each one or I'll list them all, and then you can kind of comment. So for, uh, now just, just to set the groundwork for the audience again, this is a race that's decided by less than 11, about 10,457 votes. So here's what we learned today. 3,981 vote despite registered uh, after October 15th deadline voted. 11,326 votes. Yeah, go ahead. Of Make course. That one. The state legislature said and the Arizona Supreme Court ruled that they that they could do that October 15th was the last date new registrations could be accepted. 3,900, 4,000 people voted who registered after that date. So those are just strictly illegal votes yep eleven thousand three hundred twenty six voted who were not on the rolls on november 7th but were on december 4th and it's even weirder they were and on december 4th they showed up as having voted on november 3rd so they they voted on november 3rd they weren't on the rolls on november 7th but then they reappeared on december 4th hmm Something's odd there. And then you have kind of the reverse of that, right? You have 18,000 voted and then were removed from the rolls after the election. Yep, they disappeared like that. And then the big uh, number, 74,243 mail-in ballots with no evidence of ever being requested or sent. Yes, that. so they got, they got 74,000 mail-in ballots for people who were never sent a mail-in ballot. And so then, yeah. the record is kept of every in and out, and there's a 74,000 uh, 
so 74,000 people allegedly sent back ballots, but no vote was ever sent, which would explain why there are so many affidavits from people who say, I showed up on election day to vote and they told me, oh, my, my record showed I'd already voted. Uh, yeah, so those numbers add up to 107,500, and they're trying to find a 10,000 in a race that was decided by 10,400, oh and that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. They they said that there were not chains of title for I think they said hundreds of thousands of votes. Yeah, and chain of custody is a disaster everywhere. Yeah, well this this is special. It looks like they've I think there's accusations of tampering with with uh, hard drives. Yes, there was. That on March, on a day in March, there was a deletion or an attempted deletion or playing around with a hard drive. Well after the subpoenas had been sent, these people were playing around with their, their databases. Uh, wildly illegal. Get this, the, the, the security log, so some logs have been erased. Some logs have been a, uh, there's a security log. That, now there's only eight different people who could have signed on but on on one day, I think that was in March. Yes, a few March. Months ago, yeah, thirty-seven thousand attempts came to sign on. Well, each one of those creates a record in the record log in the security log, and the security log only has twenty megabytes of data. So, which probably shouldn't use in a lifetime. But by doing that, they flushed all the security log fill because of those thirty-seven thousand attempts. They flushed whatever was in there, got flushed out, and. You know, so there's there's a lot of hinky things going on here. But what's key to know is that the great lie has been debunked. The biggest lie of election 2020 it has been is that there was no major election fraud, or and that lie has been debunked by the Arizona Senate. You know, we've I've argued on this show that besides this kind of fraud, you know, we always looked at this and kind of had two different buckets of fraud. Besides this fraud that you're talking about, and of course, Dominion voting machines and voting machines. There also was the fraud of the Democrats sending in their attorneys to all these states and Stacey Abrams in Georgia making a dissent decree and these state legislatures having their power basically taken from them and changing the rules leading up to the election. I mean, there was as much fraud before the election. Of course, the GOP was either just flat-footed or didn't realize it. But the Democrats were able to go into these states, change election law, votes that were accepted would not have been accepted as real votes even six months prior to that. Yeah, like I said, Stacey Abrams doing things with the Secretary of State in Georgia. You've got rogue Supreme Courts in Pennsylvania. You've got all kinds of stuff so there's really two buckets of fraud here before the election and then obviously this stuff after the election as well. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I think you're using the word fraud a little poetically there, but I'd say the rat, the racket, the scheme, the rig that they put on had things that had to be done before the election, just as you're saying. And that was part of the racket. They had to go around and get these rules tweaked where they could. They had to get laws changed where they could. Where they couldn't get them changed. They got the bureaucrats to tweak them, even though the bureaucrats don't have the right to do that. It's crystal clear in the Constitution. Yeah. The state legislatures have the right, and only they have the right to do it. And then the and then the state courts let it all generally let a lot of, let a lot of it slide. It's kind of amazing to me. Something happened a few days before the election, where Alito, where the the Pennsylvania said we want to uh, accept ballots after November third, yeah. and he said November hold them to the side. Yeah. And, the, and it went to Alito, and he said, well, they, sh they should have said, no, you can't. It's crystal clear in the Constitution, the guys who set the rules of the legislatures, and they do it because the Founding Fathers anticipated exactly this corruption. 
they should have done that done that instead alito gave an order that said well you just keep the bat we'll we'll discuss it later just keep the ballots segregated that come in after november 3rd and pennsylvania chose not to do that so they're not just violating the constitution they're not about the state law they're violating a specific order from a supreme court justice i would think the supreme court justice somebody they're kicking hand they're kicking uh sand in the face of the Supreme Court. And let's see if they let that stand. You know, the audit team, I think, today recommended canvassing to verify voters that they exist. What do you think the chance of that happening is? Well, they should be. They should be able to. They, they have to. There are so many discrepancies. Let me tell you, the biggest one was dropped. Yeah, there's so many things that have to be checked. There are tens of thousands of of ballots that don't make any sense hundreds of well already a hundred thousand we just discussed that just don't make any sense that people have to uh you know there's indications of people voting that uh seem it, it, clearly that's where the fix is by the way you know whose votes got stolen the most you know who this is happening to the most minorities my our mathematical analysis shows what this is going that when they release the data about precinct by precinct in Maricopa, the people who this is happening the most are going to turn out to be the Latinos and the Native Americans. This is mass minority voter theft, voter suppression. It's uh, it's really quite just amazing these these findings. You know, you have groups like yours, and you have uh, Phil Klein and the Amistad Project out there, all doing great work to try to get to the bottom of this. You have an attorney general who didn't want to do anything about it, who maybe told even uh, state at attorneys to, to lay off of it. Are you surprised, number one, that, you're, that you guys are going to have having to do all this yourself? And are you also surprised that the amount of people who still say, hey, get over it, Trump lost, this should be a concern to every American, not just the ones who hey. voted for President Trump? Of course, you know, for example, myself, I'm not, I'm not a vote. I was not a never Trumper, but I'm not a Trump voter. This has nothing to do with, you know, worshiping at the altar of Trump. We yeah. can't let this stand. A stolen national election like this is the end of the United States. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised, but I don't think after today, to me, if you want to sit at the adult table, you got to acknowledge election fraud has now been proven. It has been debunked. The biggest lie of 2020 has been debunked. That was the lie that there was no election fraud. Yeah. If someone isn't willing to be there yet after hearing today, then they're not willing to ready to sit at the adult table as far as I'm concerned. Well, give your uh, give out your text one more time here, Buford, and I want to thank you for joining us on the show. What's your text number one more time? It's uh, 84576, and it's the word USA. You text USA to 84576. That's the America Project. We're doing this. We're talking to 13 other states. Mike Flynn, you got a, a legendary three-star general uh, on your side here. And All I'm right. just the schlub CEO. Well, Patrick Byrne, thank you very much for uh, joining us live from Studio 6B. We're back right after this. Right. Great work. to the hour live from studio 6b patrick byrne just joined us um what delgado what'd you think of that loved it love the guy he's a patriot he and like paul said and like he mentioned he's like he's he's not a he's not a never trumper he didn't vote or something he, he you know it, it's one of these things where he's all in for the country and i've been paying attention to him ever since ever since the election happened because he's he's been kind of out there you know getting involved 
and you know putting his own money into it saying look there's and this is an internet guy he knows this kind of stuff he's got a deep background in this stuff and if you go to his website deepcapture.com you can read all about him and see where he comes from and know that you know people might want to say oh he's just one of those lunatic no he's not a lunatic he gets a lot of that yeah well, anybody who talks out against the the big lie is immediately a lunatic. Yeah, right. Everybody loves you until you have something to say. Yep. That, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, it's the rule, right? The first day they try to silence you, then they ridicule you, right? You know, and then they discredit you. Like if they can't beat you, if you keep coming at them, and that's what happens to anybody. Yeah. I mean, it I is. remember when Giuliani was the man of the year. Right, right. Well, the intelligence communities celebrated him. I think the New York Times celebrated him. I mean. Now he's a lunatic? He was America's mayor. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're talking right. about a guy who was so revered. Now he's a lunatic? But because he supports the other guy. Because he goes against the corporate interests of the 91% of the media outlets that just pump a narrative down our throats where they meet at Bilderberg meetings. They meet in, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. They have all the heads of all these in, in South Dakota. They all meet all these places, and they decide how, what narratives they're going to push. And then everything about those narratives, about how they invest their money in green energy, BS, and it's the same nonsense. Exxon and Mobil own 90-something percent of all the green technology. Give me a break. It's enough's enough. I mean, these monolithic corporations that just engulf, there's no borders. They don't care. And these networks are owned, are owned by China half the time. I mean, what is CBS 51? How much of China's own CBS and all its affiliates? It's BS. It's all nonsense. And this guy's got the gumption to talk out against the establishment. God bless him. Travis Tritt last night. These people have, they're patriots because they know they're going to be ridiculed and, and abused. It's not, you know, there's, there's just not enough of it. Yeah, but he but he makes a good point about election fraud. He's like, look, grow up. It's now proven. We can show you it. If you don't want to acknowledge it, acknowledge the numbers because that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the numbers. The numbers don't lie. Democrats lie. The numbers aren't lying here. And by the way, the Senate president out there in Arizona, I believe her name is Karen Fan. Is uh, you know she's one of the you know how we talk about sometimes it only takes one voice to get another voice. Man, she's she's a voice and she's a she's been pushed up against and she hasn't backed down at all. And she's run this thing, and she's been very careful not to call things uh, fraud till she, you know, she's, she's, the way she's running it, I think has been pretty first class. And I'll tell you, the more you hear, and I, I defended Bill Barr on this show a lot as, as a stand up guy, and I, I think he probably still is, but it, it is quite amazing when you think about him on Wolf Blitzer and Wolf Blitzer talking about mail in ballots and, and Bill Barr saying, Wolf, We've never tried this on this scale. You know it. I know it. You're playing with fire. And then to think about the fact that he really, whether the story is true on he told this um, uh, state uh, district attorney to lay off or not, he has pushed back up against that. Who knows? But the fact that he didn't look for anything, that's a fact. Yeah. And now we know 74,243 mail-in ballots with no evidence of ever being requested or sent out in Arizona came in. So for someone (laughs) who was so on it, knew what the problems could be, in his exact term of you're playing with fire here, you couldn't describe it any better. It really is. I mean, I know we'll never understand the minutia of all the things that go on in the background with the Department of Justice and the Attorney General. But, I mean, to make no effort to look into any of this, 
you know, we were all seems to out. me the common person to be uh, hard yeah. to believe. Well, we were all holding out hope that he was going to be the guy. He was just going to be the guy who came in and said, "You know what? Enough's enough." I'm going to get to the bottom of it. We all believed in hope, right? We at least yeah. wanted to. But how many times this show do we say he's a Bush appointee? The Bush family is so deep into this since, you know, since Prescott Bush. The family has been, you know, they've been lifelong politicians. They've been corrupt to the core. And now we're going to worry about, we're going to, then we're going to believe in Bob. It's, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking that there's no real patriots left. I mean, we just, it's like we're going to have to roll over for China, and that's it. All right, we'll do more on this. Uh, let's do some sports and hear what that's Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? I'm enjoying this new chat on live from Studio 6B. Fantastic saying hello to a lot of old friends out there. I hope everybody's, you know, contacting their other friends, letting them know we got Live from Studio6B.com, our exclusive Excellent. home to stream and, and chat, correct? Beautiful chat. Other than, of course, of americasvoice.news, which you can always go to as well, which you should be going to. So a uh, developing story, uh, this has been going on all day today, Major League Baseball right here in New York. Boston Red Sox at New York Yankees, eighth game postponed uh, this season due to COVID-19. This is from ESPN News Services. The Yankees post-All-Star break opener against the Red Sox tonight was postponed because of positive COVID-19 tests within the New York organization. Major League Baseball said the postponement was to allow for more testing and contact tracing. The Yankees had three positive tests for COVID-19 with three tests still pending, according to general manager Brian Cashman. All the positive and pending tests are from Yankee players. Uh, the Yankees placed left-handers Nesta Cortez and Wandy Peralta on the uh, COVID-19 injured list Thursday around midday. I understand Aaron Judge was also just named as someone in the COVID protocol. And now all the Red Sox are getting tested. So, you know, big issue with COVID-19. And I thought a lot of those Yankees were vaccinated. Well, the, that's the part of the story here yeah. that I don't know if you have or I was just going to no, ask just, you. No, I believe reported. The, I believe the story here is that the positives are from players who are already vaccinated. So the, my question was going to be, why are we testing vaccinated players? I, I know. I, I, I couldn't agree. And ESPN did not, were, were not forthcoming with that part. I just put that in, Big D. I'm pretty sure that that's yeah. the whole point of the story, that the positives are, peop, are players who already got vaccinated. So why are we testing vaccinated players would be my question. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, another developing story, Richard Sherman will not face burglary charge over alleged incident with in-laws. Uh, this was originally posted on Larry Brown Sports earlier today. Gray Papke reporting. Uh, free Asian cornerback Richard Sherman will avoid the most serious charges after an alleged incident at the home of his in-laws early yesterday. According to CBS Sports legal analyst Amy Dash, Sherman was released without bail on Thursday with a judge citing his track record of community work. He will not be charged with burglary stemming from the Wednesday incident. He's expected to face four separate misdemeanors charges, including criminal trespassing, malicious intent, and resisting arrest, as well as a DUI. He was also issued a no-contact order against his father-in-law. Uh, Dash added that Sherman was unlikely to face jail time uh, as a result of the misdemeanor charges, particularly since he has no previous criminal history. Although uh, there's a lot more serious underlying story here with the fact that he finished off two bottles of hard liquor and then was threatening suicide. He was also contacting friends and, and associates saying he was going to hang himself. So there's a 
little bit more to be told on this story, and I'm sure the NFL is going to weigh in. He is a free agent, so no team is going to be in a position to take action. Um, so very curious to see how this all you know lays out. That 911 call from his wife, Ashley Morse, Morse was very disturbing. I got an opportunity to listen to that. I don't know if any of you guys heard that, but it was a terrible call, uh, what was going on at the time. So, again, we're going to keep an eye on what happens with Richard Sherman. Great player, smart guy, but something's not right there. Yeah, uh, that's yes. that's for sure. Something's yeah. not right, and we wish him the best. And I hope, yeah, it's crazy. Hopefully, he has enough close people, friends, and NFL. You know, one thing you can say about the NFL, I know that from the great Eric Coleman. I mean, it is a brotherhood. These guys are, you know, they're in the trenches every every year, year in. You meet all these players; they're very close. It's a very small group. Obviously, thirty-two teams, whatever it is, it's a very small group of people who make it to that level. They're very close. Let's hope he's got some. Uh, let's hope he's got some brothers that are going to. Um, you know, put their arm around them, take them in, look after them, and, and, and see what's going on because there's clearly something going on. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Two Absolutely. bottles of booze and that kind of the press, scary stuff. Yep. All right, hour two coming up. Crazy Town, lots to do. And we'll get back to um, Jen Saki today and just this unbelievable admission. All right, hour two. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. Live from Studio 6B. <clears throat> Great first hour. Patrick Byrne joined us from the America Project down in Arizona, looking at what's going on out there. Some of the numbers are just stunning. Uh, but but uh, but that's not the most stunning news of the day. The most stunning thing that happened today, in my estimation, is Jen Psaki in the briefing room today, basically saying that they're colluding with Facebook and the media to basically control the narrative. They're censoring. They have total disregard for, the, uh, for freedom of speech. Um... And they want the government to be the arbiter of all truths when it comes to COVID nineteen and vaccines. Yeah, they're basically they, they're basically using uh, Facebook to suppress your First Amendment rights. Yes, Facebook is a, is a de facto state actor at this point by her no own admission. No question about it. And um, as I heard the great one, Mark Levin, whose book is right here, and I encourage you to go get it, American Marxism. Said you tonight, up to page two yet? I am not. Um, <laughs> as he said tonight on his show. <laughs> This makes Trump's case. You have to. Well, of course, again, it's all about the judge. But, uh, you know, you get who knows. But um, there's no way to look at this and think it doesn't make Trump's case stronger. It's basically what he's arguing. He's basically arguing that these are not independent companies, that they're acting like de facto state. I think it actually says those exact words in the in the briefing or in the suit that he filed, that they're working as de facto state actors. It's basically what exactly she admitted to today. Yeah. It, it, I'm telling you, I, I just, knowing that this, the lawsuit is out there, knowing the attention he's getting and, and it's going to get, uh, it is really now turning into a sentimental a case because of what she said today. 
it is a stunning admission to say we are working with them to tell them what we think is truthful and not truthful. What, where are we living? What is going on here? What we're seeing, I think, is a, a, a prelude to what's coming next. Complete shutdown of every single thing that they do not agree with. And if you if you think I'm being if you think I got to put the helmet on, there's no way you could think that after <laughs> listening to her today. There's nowhere there's no way you could think that they'd be unwilling to go after the license of cumulus broadcasting or the license of of any of these other broadcasting whether mediums, whether it's radio, television. There's no way you could think that. That is not a stretch after that display today. Not, not only not, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about coming after the likes of the American people, you and I. Because they don't like what we're saying. Well, let's go through their stuff. Hey, this, this person rises to the level, our definition, of uh, someone who's, who could be a potential terrorist. We have to take them out. We have to go through everything. We have to arrest them. You don't think that's coming? This is exactly what they're, they're lining up for. And I know it sounds crazy and people are like, oh, that's just hyperbole. And, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. It would never happen here. It's happening already. Yeah. It's, these are the first steps. It doesn't sound, uh, it doesn't sound as crazy steps. as MSNBC guests from the Lincoln Project the other day telling us that if H.R. 1 S1 doesn't pass, that the Republicans are going to pull what he equates to another 9-11 attack on America. On voting rights, a 9-11, he called it. I mean, there's nothing that's more insane. I mean, it's just. Well, that's what they're trying to. They're trying to portray anybody who doesn't agree with the Democrats or with Biden or that whole, you know, leftist, communist, socialist nonsense as people who will do violence. This is what they're setting us up for. They know what's coming. They know that we're starting to see these things out of out of Arizona. Now we're see, hearing more things out of Georgia. It's going to spread to Pennsylvania and other places. They know they they know this stuff is coming. How do you shut it down? Tell 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 the world. Oh, these people are crazy, and we have to shut down everything, and and you won't have to worry about hearing hearing anything they have to say anymore. Here's here's the other thing that happened in the briefing room today. G fourteen. Here's the other absolute insanity that happened in there today. Roll that. I want to talk to you today about one of the biggest obstacles that's preventing us from ending this pandemic. Today, I issued a Surgeon General's advisory on the dangers of health misinformation. Okay, stop, 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 stop. A Surgeon General's advisory confronting health misinformation. When, is, uh, when has this ever happened? What, no. is, what is this? Emma. Go ahead. Surgeon General advisories are reserved for urgent public health threats. And while those threats have often been related to what we eat, drink, and smoke, today we live in a world where misinformation poses an imminent and insidious threat to our okay, nation. Okay, stop. Health. Again, misinformation uh, based on who? Uh, but what does that mean? Based on whose opinion? Jen Psaki's, Joe Biden's, the Susan Rice's, who's? Uh, the part-time fact-checkers that they employ, of course. Go ahead. Health misinformation is false, inaccurate, or misleading information about health, according to the best evidence at the time. Okay, stop. And as, while it often... As, as, wait, wait a as Paul has <laughs> always said on this show, isn't the idea of science that... He has an opinion. I have an opinion. We're both trained. We're both professionals. We get together. What? 
again, based on whose decision? Because I could tell you this. If you were to listen to Dr. Fauci, the great Dr. Fauci, the great Fauci, quack, quack, quack. the whole time, and you listen to Dr. Ioannidis from Stanford or Dr. Katz from Yale or the guy from Sweden that I played for you multiple times, I, I would say their definition of what was misleading or not throughout this whole thing would be vastly different. Vastly different. So who's the warning issued on here? Go ahead. It appears innocuous on social media apps, on retail sites or search engines. The truth is that misinformation takes away our freedom to make informed decisions about our health and the health of our loved ones. During the COVID-19 pandemic, health okay. misinformation you has know, led this, people- This guy's either not that bright or that statement- No, 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 yeah. no. I mean, He's that- cunning, that, clever, and evil. Yeah. Misinformation takes away our freedom. Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, yeah dialogue. Does. Any kind of open discussion takes away your freedom. Yes, no free marketplace of ideas here anymore. That's that's for damn sure. No, it it takes away the freedom for them to push their narrative and their propaganda. Of course it does, because then it challenges it. And you can't ask questions because then they have to have to back it up with facts and they don't like to do facts. They hate that. Go ahead. Resist wearing masks in high risk settings. It's led them to turn down proven treatments and to choose not to get vaccinated. Okay, but just stop it. Your predecessor, Mr. Whatever Your Name Is, was all over the map on masks. So are we issuing a warning about him as well tonight? He was all over the map. Dr. Fauci, all over the map from 60 Minutes. No, 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 we don't need to be doing that. All we need to be doing, we need to wear two masks. Maybe we need to wear bubble wrap. No, we don't need to wear... They've all been all over the place. And by the way, this administration has been all over the place on vaccines. When Trump was in office, it was stay. I wouldn't take it. Don't stop. Trump's in there. He's in a white coat going like this. I'm mixing it up. I wouldn't take it. Are we assuring? What's the? I mean, what is? What is this? What <laughs> the hell is this? State-run propaganda. Go ahead. Avoidable illnesses and death. Simply put, health information has cost us lives. Yes, he's right. It has. Because of all the misinformation coming from the Fauci's of the world, who by his own definition, in his own emails, says, oh, that this doesn't work. Mass don't work. But no, no, no. Now he wants even those who have been uh, taking the vaccine. I don't know why you would, um, but they take it. Now you have to wear a mask as well because, you know, you, you don't know. You, you, you might be around someone who's not vaccinated. And those are scary, evil people. Josh Hawley today. To Mark Zuckerberg. Dear Mr. Zuckerberg, I write you today with grave concern about the latest evidence that your company is coordinating with the federal government to suppress free speech in the United States of, of America. Earlier today, the White House press secretary told reporters that the Biden administration is, quote, in regular touch with the social media platforms, end quote, about misinformation and disinformation related to COVID-19, and that it is, quote, flagging problematic posts for Facebook. This casual admission of collusion between the state and corporations that have monopolized the flow of information and therefore dictate the terms of service for the public square is absolutely shocking, he said. The First Amendment 
is sacrosanct, and it is unconscionable that the federal government has evidently enlisted private actors to police speech in ways that it is unable. This alarming revelation of a public-private partnership to censor the speech of the American people comes just hours after the Surgeon General of the United States, the federal government's leading spokesperson on matters of public health, published an advisory warning to the American public about the quote-unquote urgent threat of health misinformation and disinformation related to the COVID-19 pandemic. The advisory instructs technology platforms on how they can limit the spread of disinformation on its platforms, including hiring more employees to, quote, strengthen the monitoring of misinformation, end quote, and to, quote, impose clear consequences for accounts that repeatedly violate platform policies, end quote. These new admissions and directives by federal officials raise further questions as to whether social media platforms like Facebook have functionally become arms of the federal government. Please respond to the following request for information by July 22nd, 2021. So that's about eight, eight days. Please provide a full accounting of social media posts and content that the Biden administration has quote unquote flagged to employees of Facebook. Number two, please provide a full accounting of what social media posts and content the Biden administration has asked Facebook to remove from its platform. Number three, please provide a full accounting of what social media posts and content that Facebook has removed from its platform at the behest of the Biden administration. All three of those we need to know. Every American needs to know if this has been taking place because this is a stunning admission. And he's absolutely right in answering all three of those. And if they doesn't get an answer, let's hope for once that this lights a fire finally that the Republicans can do whatever they can do now and God willing in 2022 and 2024 take back whatever power they can take back and finally try to do something here because it is insane what is going on. And this, again, if they'll do this and openly admit it with a smile on like she did today in the midst of everything that's going on, there is nothing you can conjure up in your head that they're not willing to do. They're talking to cell phone providers. They want to censor you. They want to track you. Now they want to, now they're going to talk to these companies and tell them what's the, they're, they're going to be the full arbiter of an end all of all truths when it comes to this. And then when this finally, if ever passes, what's the next thing they're going to want to be the subject matter end all be all of what's that going to be? I mean, it's, this is, it's on, actually, it's just a stunning admission. It's the tyranny we thought it would be before the election.
All right, 17 past the hour. Live from Studio 6B. We'll do more sports and news here in a second. Just a couple things, a good lead into sports. Rich Eisen from the NFL Network. <laughs> just saw He's this. an insufferable sack of yeah. all he fully, is. Fully, fully vaccinated, just tested positive for COVID-19 again. <laughs> Just tested positive. Yeah, and he told you, run out there and get your vaccines again. Get them, yeah. get them. Get double He's still pro-vax. Yeah, he, he, just, he just tested positive again. And then here's the other thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, L.A. County. Breaking out of L.A. County. How'd you like to live in California? In L.A. Just announced that it's, it's going to reimpose an indoor mask mandate. <laughs> oh, that's not the best part. Regardless of your vaccination status. Awesome. Regardless of your vaccination. I, th- I thought they worked so well. This is, why this is why everybody has to get it. This is why Olivia Rodrigo's telling us to go get it. They work so well. Other than the Yankees who got it. Oops. That didn't work. Now we have this guy, Rich Eisen. Oops. Multiple other p- cases you heard of. And LA is now saying, well, you got to wear a mask indoors doesn't matter if you have well the, what are we doing here what are we doing here does fauci know this where's fauci standing up for this uh for his uh, vaccines here in la no you don't need to do that if they're vaccinated and they're protected man where's fauci on this i mean it just does this muddy the water anymore for anyone you got How guys much vaccinated. Muddy you can get. <laughs> Still getting the disease. Believe me, that that stuff that's stuck on your shoe, it's not mud. And then yeah. you've got uh, you've got L.A. County saying, doesn't matter if you've got it. You got to wear masks indoors again, <laughs> starting this weekend. Do you think it's out of the question that we could see lockdowns again? Oh no, no, no! California, Michigan, oh, New York, coming soon to a winter Don't flu worry. season near yeah. you. Oh yeah. Hey, are, what what kind of variants are going to roll out come November? I can't oh, yeah, wait for the those. Delta's nothing. Wait till they come out with the, the Santa Echo variant. variant. Yeah. The Santa variants coming. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's do some sports. Rick Emirati, what's going on, pal? Hey, Big D. Well, Matisse Kivlenix praised that memorial service is saving many wow. lives from fireworks blast. This is from Emily Kaplan of ESPN. Columbus Blue Jackets goalie Elvis Merz-Lincolns says his teammate Matisse Kivlenix died a hero after saving him and his pregnant wife from the Aaron fireworks blast that killed the 24-year-old. He saved not just many lives, but when it happened, I was standing 20, 30 feet back of him, and I was hugging my wife, Merz-Lincolns said, at Kivlenix Memorial Service earlier today in Upper Arlington, Ohio. He saved my son, he saved my wife, and he saved me. Merz-Lincolns' wife, Alexandra, is in her third trimester, and Merz-Lincolns said their son's second name will be Matisse in honor of his teammate. Uh, Kiv Lennox was living in Ohio with Merz Lincolns, who called his fellow Latvian player my little brother. Kiv Lincoln died from chest trauma with major damage to the heart and lungs after being hit with an errant firework at a July 4th backyard party at the Michigan home of Blue Jackets goaltending coach Manny Legace. The party also uh, was a wedding celebration for the daughter, Sabrina. Uh, in, Kiv Lennox, in saying Kiv Lennox died a hero, Ms. Lincolns noticed, that's not just what I said. That's what the doctor said, and as Sabrina said, he saved his last puck. So that young man, great guy, great team player. A lot of coaches flew in from all over to you know to be at the service today and uh, honoring the young man who passed away way Terrible. before. His, his speech was Just incredible, too. The kid's uh, eulogy was incredible. Unbelievable. 
Uh, and Conor McGregor says he had multiple stress fact- fractures entering UFC 264 versus Dustin Poirier. This is from Brett Akamoto of ESPN. Uh, Conor McGregor said he went into last weekend's MMA trilogy against Dustin Poirier with multiple stress factors in his left leg, the same leg that broke in the final seconds of the opening round. McGregor 22-6 and lost to Poirier at UFC 264 on Saturday in Vegas. The official result was a TKO defeat at the end of the first round due to doctor's stoppage. McGregor's lower left leg snapped as he stepped backward after throwing a punch at the very end of the round. I was injured going into the fight, McGregor said via Instagram. People are asking me, when was the leg broke? At what point did the leg break? Asked Dana White. Asked the UFC. Asked Dr. Jeff Davidson, the head doctor of the UFC. They knew I had stress fractures in my leg going into the cage. It was debated about pulling the thing out. McGregor, 33, and his team said he underwent successful surgery on his leg Sunday, repairing fractures of his tibia and fibula. Tibia and fibula. McGregor added via social media, six weeks on crutch, and we build back. He's obviously looking to have a uh, another fight, a fourth fight with Poirier. Uh, but now this opens up some questions now about the MMA, and then they're not concerned. I saw in another publication that uh, now they'll be investigating to see if they did know and if they uh, ill-advised him to go into the ring. So I guess uh, McGregor want to throw them under the bus. Ooh. Right? Boy, I watched some of the breakdown of that, and it sure looked like it was broken way early in that fight. You could see it wobbling a few times in that fight. It was pretty ugly early on, and I uh, That's right, Paul. It stunk. After his initial kick, Poria actually pointed to his yeah, ankle, yeah, and yeah. it was noted. So we're going to see what happens, but uh, apparently they were all well aware of this, but, you know, the fight went on. So I would again, think that's a big problem if that's true. Yes. Oh, my God, yeah. Big well, they had, a, they had a lot of money invested in this fight. You ain't kidding about Big that. Big Pac T-Mobile, President Trump was there. It was good stuff. The, the crowd, they went crazy when the president came in. It was really nice to see. A lot, a lot of patriots. Standing that. ovation from 20,000 people. ESPN <laughs> didn't show one picture. He was there with Kraft and another billionaire. Yeah. That's usually big news. They're looking at all the A-list guys everywhere. Standing ovation. There's a lot of back. There's a lot of backstage footage of President Trump arriving in the building, and and I mean he's a rock star back there and, with and people you, who would get in front of the camera and act differently. By the way, guarantee you. And, yeah. and did you see the picture of uh, Mel Gibson saluting him? Yeah, I saw Mel Gibson. I saw Chuck Liddell go over to him. I saw, obviously, um, Jorge Masvidal makes no bones about it. He went over to him. They even, had a great discussion. Even Rogan said he chatted with him. Yeah, yeah, and when he came into the arena, it was it was wild. It was wild. Yeah, Megan Fox said she was there, and she said that the, she couldn't believe it was incredible, the standing ovation for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually saw that on Jimmy Kimmel. Arsenio Hall was sitting in for him. Yeah. She got a tremendous backlash, Paul. I don't know if you read about <laughs> oh, that. Of course. Yeah. Jimmy would have had a heart. Jimmy would have yeah. been in what his last show if he was there. He would have had a heart attack on the set. Just oh, making a comment? Huge. She had to kind of retract the statement a little. She says, no, what I said is he was a legend to the people that were there. She was like, you know, backing up because yeah. they, they went after see, her. The I mean, again, it's, it's all the same nonsense. Isn't yeah. that on ABC TV, which is ESPN, which is owned by Disney, which is owned yeah. by China? Right. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So That's here's a, a cute little story. Theme. Johnson & Johnson's recalling Neutrogena Aveeno sunscreens because benzene traces. Uh, the company's recalling five of its products after some samples were found to contain levels of, of the chemical, which can cause uh, cancer with repeated exposure. So what, what are they recalling? Um, the, uh, Neutrogena. 
soap, uh, Aveeno sunscreens, and um, a few other products in here. Uh, uh, Daily Defense, uh, Cool Dry Sport Aerosol Sunscreen, uh, Beach Defense Aerosol Sunscreen, um, and the Aveeno Refresh Aerosol Sunscreen. I mean, it's got benzene, right? And this is the same company. Didn't they Johnson & Johnson powder give... Uh, have problems for women who used it in their um, talcum powder. Yeah, talcum powder. I mean, this, uh, yeah, just keep taking their drugs, right? With no tests or study. Uh, you know, it's great. Here's another cute story. Uh, the taxpayers <laughs> fork over 800k to lawyers repping Cuomo. Top aides in the nursing home probe so far. 800k. New Yorkers are paying. Um, they've shelled out uh, for the lawyers representing Andrew Cuomo and his top aides in the defense against charges that the administration withheld data pertaining to COVID-19 deaths in nursing homes and misused state resources that uh, in the production of the governor's 5.1 million dollar book deal. So, I mean, as it goes, it's it's more of the same. You know, we get to pay the bill and we get to be the guinea pigs. And just the whole thing is just it's time to move out to the country and turn off Facebook. Yeah. Uh, anything else in the news, Paul, before we get to uh, we got we have an, we have got a couple crazy tons to get to. And I have an is this English, which I usually like to play at the beginning of the show to give you the whole show to try to decipher. I still haven't played it yet, but uh, well, I don't think quick, you're going to need a ton of time tonight. A super quick happy story. Um, it was in the Epic Times in their, in their section where they just give you positive news. A paralyzed groom surprises bride by standing and embracing her for their first dance at their wedding. Oh. And and it's a really cool video. The, his two best buddies tied his legs to their good legs. They lifted him up under his shoulders. She, he wrapped his arm, the arms around her and... Uh, it's a really cool story about a kid who's changed his life. He was a high school football star. He was going to play college ball and a car accident. He said he wasn't a good person before it. And oh. he's found uh, he's just changed his ways and he's reached out and touched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in his community and finally got to dance with his wife standing up with the help of his good buddies. Really cool story. Beautiful. All right, we'll do a lot of video when we get back. A bunch of crazy towns. Is this English? Some other. Uh... I don't know if I can stomach any more sake. Oh, God. Unless we get to make fun of the whole thing. Hi, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Thursday night. All right, so let's lighten the mood here, have a little fun. We've been very serious tonight. There's a lot of serious stuff going on, so you don't have much choice. But, um, gee, what we got three crazy towns tonight. This is this is a crazy day. Which, uh, where should I start? Well, if you guys don't want to hear it from Saki anymore, there's two Bidens in there. No, I want to hear Saki. Is that the best one? Um, They're all pretty good. <laughs> You're such a <laughs> such a big help. All right, let's put, go. Let's put the uh, girl in the middle. Let's go Biden, Saki Biden. All right, let's go Biden and Merkel. Crazy town, G. Fire it up <laughs> and roll it. Can't wait for this one. <laughs> Which one's talking in German? Oh, double dip. Button. Here we go. Double dip. Let's go. Here we go. Chancellor Merkel has been here frequently over the past 16 years. Matter of fact, she knows the Oval Office as well as I do. But all kidding aside, uh, through uh, though this she administration, has the same look we all uh, do. she's been there for four years, uh, for four presidents. Who? 
And now the second largest, longest-serving chancellor since Helmut Kohl. <laughs> while, I my, while I reiterated my concerns Hello. to unite our efforts to upend and on our, our global climate ambitions that we have to up <laughs> the ante and to unite our efforts to update, to up the ante on global climate, global climate ambitions. Whoa. And we, uh, when we uh, think about the future, the future we want for the world, there's no issue there's no issue said at all that I believe we find uh, anything other than... Look at this gone the soulless oh, eyes. I think, he, I think he blew it out on Tuesday and he's that, got nothing uh, between left. Between the United States and Germany doesn't benefit whatever the problem, the concern is. We're each going to take two questions and I'm going to begin by... Look at these lipless, soulless, sock puppets. And, uh, Congratulate you on your new role as a president of the White House Correspondents Association. Thanks. My sympathies. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you could also give us your view on socialism. And then for the chancellor, uh, the, the question is... Uh, um, and uh, uh, one of the things that... Uh, uh, um, and uh, whether or not... Uh, uh, Say something. Um, Say anything. I thought I said we'd take Make two questions, but I guess that translator would take two questions or more from each person called on. The um, translator is uh, Everything's going to work out over. perfectly. Yeah. Uh, in terms. <laughs> Look. Um, Look, folks. I understand why the press, among others, is skeptical that I can actually get this deal done on infrastructure and on I'm human infrastructure. And I've watched and listened in the press, declared my initiative dead at least 10 times so far. Uh, I've gotten, we've each committed, I trust the members of the Is that English? Uh, Republican uh, uh, senators who have made the commitments relative to how we should proceed. Today, I don't know whether you have any children, it's none of my business whether you do, but if you do, you're gonna get a payment of one six, uh, uh, 12 months divided, $3,600 oh $3, for that child divided by 12 every month. If we don't leave right now, we're going to miss the She's looking at him like, what the? She's looking at him. Yeah. She might as well try to give him the quantum theory of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> she, couldn't be, she couldn't believe she was watching this meltdown happen right there live and in person Here, here's what here's what she was hearing sorry ma'am i have no idea what to tell you <laughs> just not knowing yeah however you say i have no idea what he's saying in german that's what she was hearing gibberish <laughs> in her ears oh my lord well, wow. uh, so you know what? Can we just go back in time when the left would say that Trump was the most embarrassing president? I mean, could we? I mean, huh, the gaslighting. This guy is gone. Unreal. He's gone. He can't enunciate simple words. Forget about string a sentence together. Well, she is the second largest. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how the translation on that one? <laughs> she's the second largest and the longest four presidents. Aye, aye, aye. And, and you know, she's probably like, again. What did, did he just call me fat? Yeah. <laughs> this mother. Uh. Yeah. 
All right, so from the same speech, Fraulein. G, <laughs> G found a lot of uh, a lot of good things in there. So I found this. It's it's not the best one we've ever had, but there is. It, well, this is the is this English. So let's roll that, G. We discussed together with our fellow major democracies at uh, the G7, Germany and the United States have responsibilities to uh, lead with our values, as do the other members of NATO. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Well, it wasn't English. It just wasn't anything that made any sense. If we start from the beginning, it was a word salad. (laughs) I just don't know what the the – what – I'm not really sure which one he was talking about. I thought the G, maybe it was probably the G7, but um, I don't know. He may have forgotten that it was about the G7 and made it about NATO by the end. I'm not really sure. So, I mean, his his enunciation. Let's do a let's do a um, a clip here, not a crazy town G, because I I I saw this. I haven't heard it yet, though. I saw people commenting on Cut 20. So he was asked about Cuba and Haiti, what's going on. And then I don't know if he was asked about socialism overall or he just commented on it. But let's run Cut 20. With respect to Latin America and the developments there in the last week plus. Yes. um, What are the circumstances under which you would send American troops to Haiti? That's the first question. The second question is, um, when it comes to Cuba, uh, what is your current thinking on uh, American sanctions toward Cuba and the embargo? And today your press secretary said that uh, communism is a failed ideology. I assume that's your view. I was wondering if you could also give us your view on socialism. And then for the chancellor, uh, the, the question is, uh, Madam, uh, the president said that you know the Oval Office as well as he does. I'm wondering if you could reflect on uh, your exchanges with American presidents over the last 16 years, and particularly contrast the current president with his most immediate predecessor. Of course. In two minutes or less. Uh, obviously, I know why they elected you president. Um, well, let me start what? off by uh, what? answering what? The, the question relative to uh, Haiti and Cuba. Oh, oh, president of the press and corps. Communism is a fail system universally fail system and uh i don't see socialism as a very useful substitute but that's another story um no it's not with that regard is story. to uh uh whether the circumstance in which we would send military troops to um haiti we uh we're only sending american marines to our embassy to make sure that they are secure and nothing is out of whack at all. But the idea of sending American forces into uh, Haiti is not on the agenda at this moment, number one. Number two, with regard to Cuba, uh, Cuba is a, uh, unfortunately, a failed state in repressing uh, their citizens. Um, There are a number of things that we would consider doing to help the people of Cuba but it would require a different circumstance or a guarantee that they would not be taken advantage of by the government. For example, the ability to send remittances to back to Cuba. Uh, I would not do that now because the fact is, it's highly likely that the regime would confiscate those remittances or big chunks of it. 
with regard to they need COVID on the, I mean, excuse me, they have a COVID problem on, in, in Cuba. I would be prepared to give significant amounts of vaccine if, in fact, I was assured an international organization would administer those vaccines and do it in a way that average citizens would have access to those vaccines. Um, and uh, uh, one of the things that uh, you did not ask, but we're considering is they have cut off access to the Internet. Um, we're considering whether we have the technological ability to reinstate that access. Um, and I think I've answered your questions. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I guess that was all right. <laughs> but he just says he doesn't, I mean, I mean, come on. There's it, just it, doesn't seem to have, the, you, you just don't feel um, presidential grasp on the, uh, kind of floundering around do you get that idea or no yeah, is it just of course. me and you can tell because it, especially you know, when he's talking about troops and I, I just get i get very nervous that we don't have a grasp on uh, that this guy's making the decisions like he's not exactly you know take the notes away and i don't think he knows what the hell's going on right and he won't say anything negative about the castro regime he won't even mention it uh he'll just talk about well you know it's, it's a failed system but you know it could be socialism but that's a different conversation like yeah, no, you said no, it's not it's not that's... it's the same conversation and it is the conversation because that's what's going on there and by the way that's why you're uh Mayorkas is all of a sudden now oh no we're not going to allow so Think, just think about how insane this is because people who have experienced this, they've, they've, they've come to the conclusion, not, doesn't take, it's not hard, that people who have experienced socialism and experienced living under this regime and this oppressive, you can barely even find food, come to America, I, I don't think they're going to vote for it here. They're probably not going to vote for it again here. And that's the calculation that they've made. Clearly, right. there's no other explanation for it. We've, well, yeah. The border's been, I gave you the numbers. All of a sudden now they're like, whoa, wait, no, no, come, wait a minute. Right, because th these people that have lived under it, they're hypersensitive to it. They see it all. They see it much more clearly than most of, uh, most of the people in this country because we, we're, we're not looking out for it. They see it because they've already lived under it. They know what it looks like and they know what it does. All right, G, I know we can't finish it, but let's hear Saki 16 a little bit. She was pressed by Ducey on the same topic. Let's hear a little bit of that. Go ahead. Thank you, Jen. Uh, now that you've had a few days to think about it, does this White House still think the protests in Cuba are happening because people are upset about a rise in COVID cases <laughs> oh, there, or back. is there some thought maybe given to the possibility that they are protesting because they are sick of communism? Well, uh, Peter, first I would say communism is a failed ideology, and we certainly believe that. It has failed the people of Cuba. They deserve freedom. They deserve a government that supports them, whether that is uh, making sure they have health and medical supplies, uh, access to vaccines, or whether they have economic opportunity and prosperity. And instead, this has been a government, an authoritarian communist regime that has repressed its people and has failed uh, the people of Cuba. Hence, we're seeing them in the streets. But I would note that the ideology of the government, which has failed, has led to uh, a, fail, uh, a lack of access to economic opportunity, to medical supplies, to COVID vaccines. So all of those pieces are true. And there are protesters now 
in this country who are chanting as these protests in Cuba are going on, where is Biden? So where is he? What is he doing to protect these people who are rising up against the leaders of this failed experiment? Well, first, uh, he is certainly advocating for and speaking out as we've put out a statement, multiple statements. Maybe one of you will ask him a question about Cuba today. I will I will leave it to all of you to determine that. Uh, but uh, one, he has made clear uh, that he stands with the Cuban people and their call for freedom uh, from both the pandemic and from decades of repression and economic suffering to which they've been subjected by Cuba's authoritarian regime. Uh, there's an ongoing review of our oh, that's own good, policy. Jay. It's a scripted, scripted, scripted. It amazes yeah. me in these really intense things the subject matter that they still have to be so scripted show so far let's do a little more sports and here with that's rick Emirati. what's going on pal all right big d here's one you're going to be excited about tyson fury deontay wilder fight rescheduled for october 9th due to fury's positive covid19 diagnosis chris Sewick of yahoo sports so the fight's on big d you got to wait a few more months for your pay-per-view oh, uh, tyson <laughs> Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder won't fight as expected on July 24th. The fight was officially rescheduled for October 9th due to Fury being positive with the COVID-19. It's going to be at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. And uh, obviously, this is the trilogy fight. Of course, there was a big complaint that, that Deontay Wilder said that he wasn't able to do well because his gear was too heavy. Right. And yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, I know. Big excuses. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Fury in that fight. But anyway, October 9th. And just one more story. We talked about the British Open. He's a guy who seems to be having a very rough time. He fired his caddy. He shot one over today for 74. And uh, Cobra says Bryson DeChambeau never really been happy after saying his driver sucks. So Joseph Zucker of the Bleacher Report reported earlier, Cobra didn't take kindly to one of its biggest endorsers publicly throwing its equipment under the bus. After shooting one over in the opening round of the Open Championship earlier today, Bryson DeChambeau told reporters his driver sucks. It's a good, it, it, he says, it's not a good face for me, and we're still trying to figure out how to make it good on the miss hits. He said, I'm living on the razor's edge like I've told people for a long time. Anyway, Golf, Golf Week's David Dusick, he spoke to Cobra's uh, tour operations manager, Ben Shulman, who said, you know, the guy's not happy. He says, we have him as, uh, he's got the number one club speed in the PGA at one, 132 miles an hour, and he's tied for first in ball speed at 196 miles an yeah. hour, and he's blaming us. So Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Always. You know. It's famous. Blame the equipment. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, Look in the mirror, pal. It's between yeah. the ears. Yeah. The game is between the ears. That's right. Tough. Not guy. down on there Arrow on the face of the club. or the Indian. Tomorrow right. night we got the rodeo back in action. <laughs> NHRA's back in action on Saturday. We have plenty of free tomorrow night with baseball as well. All right. Thanks, Rick. What else is going on in the news, Paul? So how about this one? Down here? Movie producer Dylan Jordan accused of running extensive prostitution ring. The Hollywood producer was arrested Thursday for allegedly running an extensive and far-reaching prostitution ring, which he hit for years using his movie-making company, said uh, federal prosecutors. Dylan Jordan, who backed the 2018 Maggie Gyllenhaal drama The Kindergarten Teacher, is accused of pimping women to Johns across U.S. for at least seven years 
between 2010 and 2017. Uh, Jordan was 49, allegedly used his movie production company uh, and supposed California-based event planning firm to hide the proceeds from sex sales, uh, according to the court papers that were unsealed Thursday. The pervy producer is said to have partnered up with UK-based madams uh, by sharing and referring customers and prostitutes uh, with her, the indictment also states. So uh, more creep in Hollywood and... uh, you know, no one is shocked, I'm sure. No, I've never heard of the guy, by the way. Well, any of his movies anyone would know? Eh, who cares? He's no. another creep who's yeah. made a ton of money, according to this. So, Okay. Anything else? Um, AP sources, four NFL teams remain under 50% vaccinated. Uh, the teams that remain uh, under, unvax- like lowly vaccinated so far as Washington, Indianapolis, Arizona, and Los Angeles Chargers had the four lowest COVID vaccination rates in the league as of Thursday. Pittsburgh, Miami, Carolina, and Denver have the highest vaccination rates are among seven teams that have achieved at least 85%. About 70% of players have been vaccinated, uh, and uh, camp opens in less than two weeks. So right. uh, yeah. I wonder how the NFL is going to handle this. Oh, they won't call Rich Eisen for any information, I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> All right, uh, Crazy Town here. Joe and Kamala are here to save the children. Now, when you watch this, realize that there's a bunch of kids, I believe, sitting in the front row, um, and just... Pay attention to the first half of this of the old man standing in the back. Roll it, G. <laughs> I came up to see the kids. Vice President speaking. Let us mark this day. How phony she Thursday, is. Thursday, July 15th. 2021 with the kids there as the day the american family got so much stronger (sighs) for families all over our country (gasps) for children children. all over our country help is here it is a good day america every month we spent the rent becomes due every month the child care provider needs a check American families need to buy groceries and gas. One (laughs) unexpected expense could mean the difference between taking on more debt or losing it all. And America, yes, it is a big deal. (laughs) Indeed, it is the largest middle-class tax cut in generations and will lift up half of our nation's children. It is my great honor to introduce President Joe Biden. Thank you. Well, for you, anybody under the age of 13, this has got to be boring, boring, boring for you. Well, I tell you what, we had to work something out here so that when this is over, your parents, your uncles, your aunts, whoever you're with, they owe you some ice cream or something for this, you know? Folks, uh, <coughs> it's a pleasure to be here. I'll take a sip here. And... This, um, I believe this is actually a historic day. Nearly all working families, that is people making under $150,000 as families or an individual making under $120,000, $25,000. Well, this will be, unless you wanted one lump sum, this will be a monthly payment for childcare, for, 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 excuse me, for your children, a tax cut starting today, today, today. 
You can go to your bank account today. (laughs) Got it. Today. Oh. More than 26 million children from the hardest pressed working families didn't get any full payment for the child credit for for child care for for child tax credit. Something. In plain English, it means instead of families who (laughs) need help plain English. The most getting like getting the least. (laughs) The hardworking families, hardworking families will get this on a month, full monthly basis. Most get the When least. I came up, when I decided I wanted this in the legislation, yeah, he's I referred to it in the way it really is. It's a middle class tax cut. It's just like the wealthy get tax cuts for a lot of things. It's a tax cut for your children, having children. <laughs> Studies have shown that tax relief that helps children, that's okay, don't worry about it. It's okay to let them cry. Her, whichever. Oh, let them. It's a <laughs> gigantic help. It's an oh. eight to one return. Your head, your heart, return. and your budget IBR game? all lead to the same place. That's why, excuse me for all these terms, using, but my Build Back Better agenda. We're proving, we're proving that democracy can deliver for people and deliver in a timely way, saving lives, improving lives. Helping fuel record-setting recovery. These payments may seem small to some, but they're life-changing for my family, for us. And parents are going to be able to tell your kids when they're uh, 25 years old that you were there the day this happened. We talked about it. And kids, thank you for being so polite while I was speaking. You're very, very nice. Thank you, thank you. Come back to the room. So useful. Okay. There you go. That's your president, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You. Your president. <laughs> 80 million votes. Introducing your UBI. The puppet to President G. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That was... Uh, God, this guy. That was, that was, that was, <laughs> what can you say? Was, yeah, what can you say sometimes? That was just a little... That's a little rough there, boy. And she... I mean, I know I say this all the time, but... <laughs> You can't be you can't <laughs> you can't be phonier than she is. You can't oh, be God, phonier. No. no, you can't be phonier. That voice. No, you can't. You cannot be phonier. The the only one that rises to that level is Hillary. I I, I would put yeah. that. I don't. I don't even know about that. I would put them at one and one a. We came, we saw, right. and we killed. She's more vicious. She's like the devil. The, this one's just gold. Go, she's and just nervous. So Her phony. nervous, creepy laugh. That she's like laugh. Hollywood phony. Oh, man. All right. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders. Thanks to uh, Patrick Byrne for joining us tonight. Thanks to guys on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran, as always. Great job. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Thanks to you, the Live from Studio 6B audience. Make sure you uh, visit us at livefromstudio6b.com. It will be our exclusive home for streaming each and every night. Great news, great segments. It's all there. Make sure you visit us livefromstudio6b.com. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. to wrap up the week live from Studio 6B.